just outside Seattle, Washington, all the way on the West Coast, uh, there, and to the town by the name of Enumclaw. Enumclaw means home of evil spirits in the uh, Native American tongue of that area. And uh, in addition to the ministry of uh, planting Mountain Light Baptist Church and seeing God work there in Enumclaw, we'd also like to minister to the Muckleshoot Indians. The Muckleshoot Indians are in the town of Auburn, if you know the Seattle area at all. It's only about 10 minutes from Enumclaw, and uh, really an unreached people group in, um, in the world. Uh, to our knowledge, there's not anyone reaching out to the, the uh, Muckleshoot Indians. Uh, they are somewhat overlooked. Very different than your average Washingtonian, though. Uh, the average Washingtonian is, is uh, somewhat wealthy, and especially on the far west coast, very liberal in their, in their mindset of, of things, very humanistic, worldly in many of their philosophies, and um, very materialistic. Uh, because most homes are two-income homes, uh, they, they tend to have a lot of things, uh, lots of things of this world, shall we say. And uh, as God began to work in our hearts about that mission field, um, and we had, my wife and I had the opportunity to take a survey trip out there, uh, we learned that firsthand, that there is definitely a large group of people out there that want nothing to do with God. In fact, um, in the Seattle area, as I understand it, six in ten of the doors that you'd knock on going door to door, you'd be talking to an atheist or an agnostic in their belief system. Six in ten, which to me is a very high number. And I know in, in this area, in Hinesville, whatever it might be where, where I do much of my uh, door knocking, it's uh, almost everybody will tell you they go to church somewhere. And the, the absence of anything God is very evident in the Pacific Northwest. Um, that was very eye-opening to us, as I said. The, the need is great, and I, as Pastor said, the time is short. And we are thrilled to be ambassadors for Christ in the Pacific Northwest. We actually leave to move there in about a month. Uh, we have been on deputation for a little while. If, if we look familiar, we did stop in here one time. Um, not necessarily invited by pastor. We just dropped into a service. Um, but So we have been on deputation raising funds to go there. And the time has come for us to move. And uh, though we're not completely supported, uh, God has made it abundantly clear that it is, it is time to move in that direction. And we are thrilled to be uh, saying yes to the Lord, as we should all do, uh, whatever uh, the call might be in our lives. I'm going to go ahead and show the video and uh, share um, a little more in depth uh, about some, some of our call. And then I'll, I'll share a few other things before we get in the message this morning. We like to think of our great country as a Christian nation. Though it was started on biblical principles and for many years the gospel of Jesus Christ has been clearly preached, there are portions of our own country that lack a gospel witness today. Washington State is one such place. Washington is in desperate need of gospel-preaching churches. There are approximately 200 churches in the entire state. North Carolina, in comparison, 
has over 1,000. With the current number of churches in Washington, each church would need to reach over 35,000 people. A perhaps more sobering statistic is that Washington has more people that claim no religious affiliation than any other state. 32% of the population make that claim. Materialism reigns supreme in Western Washington. Companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Starbucks, and Boeing employ much of the population. People see no need for the things of God in their life. They value their intellect and knowledge more than a dependence and faith in God. Hearts are hard to the gospel, and they need someone who will tell them. The Bible says in Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It goes on to say in verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We are the Brubaker family, and God has called us to go to the city of Enumclaw, Washington, and be a shining light for Him in this spiritually needy area. We are sent out of Grace Baptist Church in Hinesville, Georgia, under Pastor Kerry Hendricks, and have partnered with Worldwide New Testament Baptist Missions as our missions agency. My wife and I both grew up in Christian homes. I asked Christ into my heart at five years of age, and my wife trusted the Lord when she was eight years old. We both surrendered our lives to do God's will during our teenage years. We did not know at that time what God had in store for us. Amy and I met at Ambassador Baptist College. While there, our eyes were open to the need of the Western United States, and God used that to bring us together. After we graduated, we were married in 2010. While serving at Grace Baptist Church, our son Alan was born. He arrived prematurely at 26 weeks, and we saw God work miracles in his tiny body. Living with autism has its daily obstacles, but Alan continues to grow in his love for God and compassion for others. Artis was also premature at 25 weeks, and God again showed our family the power of prayer. As a result of prematurity and other complications, Artis's eyesight is limited. You would never know it, though. Her love for life keeps her going full speed ahead. Several years ago, God again brought the western part of our country into our thoughts. God used some special people to encourage us to visit the Seattle area. During our trip there, God began to work in our hearts. By the end of that trip, we knew that God wanted us to return to Washington he even placed a specific town on our hearts.
God has called our family to go to the city of Enumclaw. Enumclaw is located about 45 minutes southeast of Seattle and is home to over 11,000 residents. It is known as the Gateway to Mount Rainier since the National Park is nearby. Sin grips the hearts of the people. Things like marijuana, alcohol, abortion, and alternative lifestyles are prevalent. They need someone who will be willing to share the good news of the gospel with them. God has also opened our eyes to the nearby Native American Indian Reservation. The 3,000 Muckleshoot Indians are only a few minutes away. Enumclaw and its residents regularly celebrate Native American culture, and we look forward to how God will let us minister to these people. Please pray for our family as we seek to serve Him in Enumclaw. Please pray for the people of Enumclaw that God will soften their hearts to the gospel. Please pray and ask the Lord what He would have you do for these spiritually needy people. I'll probably share some more uh, tonight about specifically how God called us to Enumclaw. There's a whole story with that, and uh, I'll share some more as uh, I believe Pastor would like me to share some more tonight. But uh, if you have any questions, please stop me after uh, afterwards. Um, and if I don't answer them to you directly, I'll answer them tonight in church. Stop by and pick up a prayer card if you would, too. Uh, we appreciate your prayers so much. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Matthew chapter 9. I hope you would agree with me when I make this statement that all Christians, all church members, not just the pastor... Uh, or other, or, or the leadership should be involved in this uh, uh, command to get the gospel to every creature. Pastor mentioned it this morning with our with our offerings, with our faith promise. But it is also a a, a a calling of God to every Christian to be involved in personally sharing the gospel. Of course, you know verses like Acts 1.8, where, God, uh, where Jesus Christ commissioned those that were, that were there on the mountain uh, to go uh, into both Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then you have verses like Mark 16.15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you look down, I, I didn't ask you to turn there, but verse 20 in, in Mark 16 says, And the disciples went, and they um, went forth, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming um, the word with signs following. And then you can go forward in church history to the book of Acts. 
And you can look at different places in Acts where, where, the, where the church shared the gospel, where, where individuals went and shared the gospel with others. But specifically, Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, we'll get to Matthew in just a moment. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says, uh, during a time of persecution uh, of the early church, says, um, verse 4 says, They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Not just the, in fact, it tells us later that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So these were not the leadership of the church that were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching God's word. And then you can even look further in 1 Peter and, and uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, where the context of this is Peter speaking to the church, um, speaking to the average church member. He says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. Uh, to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is in you. Every Christian should be ready always, and in fact, I believe, commanded to go and tell others about what Christ has done in their heart. A, a, a gentleman before the service came to me and was sharing his testimony of how he got saved. Praise the Lord that there are people that are willing to go and share what Christ has done for them. And I could share my testimony. You heard just a small uh, snippet of it in the video this morning of how God has has changed us. We've realized that we're a sinner. We've realized that we've uh, of that our sin has separated us from a holy God, and that we must ask Him to forgive us and to pay for our sins. All that said, I believe the case is made very clearly in Scripture that all are to be involved in witnessing and sharing the good news of the gospel. As we come to Matthew chapter 9 here, I want to look at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe there are things here that we can see that we need to follow Christ in when it comes to His view of the lost and sharing the love of Christ with others, sharing the good news of the gospel with others. I'm going to start in verse 35. It says this, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We need to follow Christ in his example of missions. There's many people we could follow. We could, we could list many of the apostles and many other, many other people that have been great examples to us. Missionaries of days gone by. But if we're going to look at one person who we know that did it right, it would be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, I believe we need to follow Christ and his vision for the lost, and his vision for the lost. And we can see this in verse 36. It says, but when he saw the multitudes. Now, we could very quickly skip over that and say, well, visually he saw the multitudes with his eyes. No big deal, right? He saw them. But I think there's more in it than that. And here's why. If you look back at verse 35, you'll see a listing of all kinds of things that, that Jesus was involved in as we come to verse 36. 
He was involved in verse 35. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing, the, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You're almost out of breath when you get to the end of that. Why? Would you say he was busy doing the work of the Father? I would say he was very busy doing all those different things. How busy are we in our daily life? I'll say oftentimes many of us are very busy. Unless I hear if you're retired, then you're not busy. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, most people are very busy in their day-to-day lives and things that they have going on. Yet when we get to verse 36 here, I believe it is significant where he says, And he saw the multitudes. How is your vision for the lost around you? Do you simply go to work every day, go to the grocery store every day, go do your, do your business, whatever it might be, throughout the day, and do you see the lost around you? Or do you have effectively blinders on your eyes that you go and do your job, you go and do what your responsibilities are, and there's no consideration for the lost around us? We know the Bible says, and I already mentioned Mark 16, 15, how we are commanded to go. John 4, 35 says, Lift up your eyes and look in the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I can look at Washington and say, there is a whole lot of people that need the Lord there. And I, I imagine it is, it is, I know it's true here as well. But is your vision for the lost a vision of, uh, as John four thirty five says, the fields are white? Or have you or I gotten to the place where that is not as important as it used to be? That we're more concerned about the job we have that day to do. How is your vision for the lost? Sometimes I can get to the place where I say, you know, I wish that person would leave me alone. I wish I wouldn't have to deal with that situation today. I wish, fill in the blank, whatever uh, ministry opportunity that God sets before you, and you wish it was not uh, something you had to deal with today. But yet God has brought it because he wants you to have a vision and an impact for the lost around you. How's your vision for the lost? Secondly, if we're going to follow Christ... In missions, I believe we need to have a compassion for a lost, the lost. It's not enough just to see him. If you look back at verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, what are those next three words? He was moved. He was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion on them. If I understand this word compassion correctly, it has the idea of being moved from the inside. Move from the inside like as, as if it was um, a great burden or weight or, or um, that type of thing on you. And I was trying to figure out a, a good way to make that an example that I can understand. <laughs> and um, that, what came to mind was those who love animals. Anyone here love animals? My wife's hand should be up. My hand's up. Okay, we love animals. But we have, I have, my wife has a great compassion for animals. My wife would often take in uh, injured animals. She would work with the Georgia DNR and rehabilitate them. 
and to be released into the wild. Did, did she do that because she had nothing else to do with her childhood or, or young teenage years? No, she was very busy, very busy. But she did that because she had a compassion for that animal. How much more does our Lord and Savior have a compassion for the lost? We know it is his desire that all should be saved, right? We know it's his desire that every person personally trust him as their savior. His compassion knows no bounds, I would submit to you. He was moved with compassion on them. The verse goes on to say, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The um, the idea there is obviously not that they're physically fainting in front of Jesus. It's a spiritual one. It's a spiritual one where they are Spiritually, they have nowhere to turn. They have nothing else, no other resources to draw from of their own selves. And spiritually, they're as if they were fainting and scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Of course, sheep will get in the worst predicaments all by themselves, will they not? Without a shepherd, they'll go and then go places they should not go and do things they should not do. That is what your friends and co-workers and lost relatives that you know, that is where they live on a daily basis. They get themselves in the worst predicaments, in the worst trouble, and they have nowhere to turn because they do not know the God of the Bible. They do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So as you see the lost around you, and as God gives you this compassion you're supposed to have, remember that the people all around you are going through, they are spiritually fainting and they are spiritually scattered, not knowing where to turn. Kind of gave me a new vision for the lost around me. Scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. But thirdly, I believe we need to not only follow Christ in his vision for the lost and follow Christ in his compassion for the lost, Uh, We need to follow Christ in his commission for the lost. Commission for the lost. Again, it's not enough just to see the lost. It's not not enough to have compassion for them. We must do something with this information. We've already looked at the verses that that we are commanded to go and tell. We are commanded to share the gospel with others. We have a great opportunity, though. Look at verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Again, just like John 4.35, the fields are white into harvest. This verse says the harvest truly is plenteous. Jesus, physically here seeing multitudes of people, having the compassion for them that they would personally trust him as their Savior, and then he looks out and sees them and says to his disciples, The fields are white. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He was looking around to those 12 or so people that were standing there with him and said, there needs to be more laborers. There are so many people that need to hear the gospel. There are so many people that need to hear the good news that Jesus was the way, is the way of salvation. Look at verse 38. Part of the commission that we are given is this. In addition to going and telling, 
It says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If you look, if, if you look at the world around you and say, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know how to begin to share the good news of the gospel with others. What's this verse say? It says, Pray. It says, Pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Pray that the Lord will give you the boldness to share the gospel with those around you. Pray that the Lord will soften their hearts. Pray for labors and something that I find very interesting with our Lord and Savior is that as we come to Him with a vision for the lost, as we come to Him with a compassion for the lost, and finally a commission to the lost, obey Him in His commission, and we pray and seek His face about the lost around us, guess who God uses to share the gospel? That same person who's praying, that same person who has a willing heart and a vision for the lost around him, someone who's willing to say yes to God, simply by obeying God's command. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Where are you at today? Where are you at today? Do you have a vision? I know there have been times in my Christian walk that I am at step one, where I got to the place in my life where I couldn't care less about the world around me. To my shame, where are you at this morning? with your vision for the lost. How about your compassion? You see them, but they're more of an annoyance than anything else. How's your compassion for the lost this morning? And then how are you obeying him in his commission? Can you say, well, God is using me in this person's life. I had the opportunity to share the gospel with this person recently. I have a desire to do this and this and share the gospel with these people, and I know these people are unsaved, and and they need to hear the gospel. Where are you at in obeying the Great Commission? To be honest, we all can be better. (laughs) We all have room to grow in that department. But again, if we are going to follow an example, I believe Jesus Christ is where we need to start. Bible says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God unto salvation, or for, power, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. We have been this, given this commission of God. Let's have the vision, let's have the compassion, and ultimately the commission that our Lord has for the lost around us. Let's pray and I'll have Pastor come. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can be challenged by it. Thank you even today for working in my heart about people who need to hear your good news. And Lord, as we uh, leave this place and go out and, 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 and leave the doors of this church, there is a world all around us who need the gospel. And perhaps even today, Lord, there's people who need to make phone calls, people who need to speak to their neighbors and, and friends who need to hear the gospel. Lord, use this church in a mighty way in this community here. We thank you for what you're doing here and thank you that we have 
the opportunity to obey you and serve you. Thank you for your salvation that you offer to all. I pray, Lord, that you will uh, just work in a mighty way this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.